My topic for today is walk with me, and this is something that God has spoken to me personally about in a conversation a couple of months ago. And to make sense of what God is talking with me, um, I want to recap a couple of years. And a couple of years ago, um, I've been um, doing ministry in England, and I've done schools ministry over there. And one of the things that I used to do all the time is I used to go on a walk and pray. Like almost every day I would be going on a walk. And there was this amazing uh, city in uh, south of England. It's called Exeter. And there's a, a river. It's called the Exeter. 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 Um, they belong together. Um, and I used to walk along there. And the city is really beautiful. It's a really small city, but it's a university city. So there's like a lot of like vintage student stuff going on. Um, and it's really lovely if you walk on, alongside the river in the city. Or if you keep walking, you get outside really qu within 20 minutes, you're outside of the city. <laughs> and you're walking alongside green. And I loved it because it was a really, really good way for me to connect with God and to pray with God. And this is something that somehow got lost over the last few years um, for me personally, is to not walking with God a lot anymore. I still did prayer. I did still worship. I love doing worship in my car. Who loves doing worship in their car? <laughs> it's, it's like, if nobody else is there, I'm going to sing out loud <laughs> and don't worry about it. Um, read my Bible, would come to church, obviously. But this walking with God is something that somehow got lost for me. And a couple of months ago, I was on vacation in Granbury. Who knows Granbury? Has anybody? Granbury is absolutely beautiful in my mind. And we have a couple of friends that let us stay there every now and then. And it's an amazing lake. And we can take a kayak and get onto the lake and stuff. It's absolutely beautiful. And that's the first time in a long while that I went on a walk again and prayed with God. And one of the things that God invited me to do is, David, I'd like you to walk with me again. I'd like you to keep walking with me and frequently walk with me again. And I was like, oh my goodness, I missed that. It was so good. And I should do that really again. And I think this is a personal invitation for me to literally, I'm, I started now, not every morning, I can't, some, some mornings the bed is stronger than me. <laughs> but um, most mornings I start getting up earlier and to go on a walk, even if it's just a short one, and to pray and to um, yeah, align myself with God. But I think it's also a spiritual invitation for all of us because I've looked into what it means to walk with God and I think it is really, really good and really interesting like what the Bible says about it and I think it's a spiritual invitation that God wants to do to all of us today to uh, spiritually walk with Him and obviously if reading is a great place if you literally want to walk with God, go for it and do it. <laughs> but uh, let me pray really quickly um, that's going to be God's words today um, and I'm going to dive into the topic. Jesus, I want to thank you so much um, that you invited me to walk with you, and I want to thank you that you invite all of us to walk with you um, today. And I pray right now that it's your words that's coming through. That's not my words, but it's your words, and that you're going to speak to every single one in this room personally in some way or matter. Um, and I pray that your will be done in your holy name. Amen. So, whenever I do a study in the Bible about a certain topic, a very interesting thing to do is to go to the very first time this topic has been mentioned in the Bible. Because like first impressions for the Jews, when they read something in the Bible, it has some kind of theme that sticks throughout the whole Bible. And you'll see this theme coming quite a 
quite often in a similar way. For example, Egypt is usually the theme of exile or um, persecution or like um, being imprisoned. The interesting thing often is that Jesus actually reverts these themes and it's Jesus that's fleeing to Egypt, not from Egypt. So there's usually a lot of different uh, symbolics and stuff that you can see when you look into the first time that has been, something has been mentioned in the Bible. And for the first time of walking, oh, that's my topic, <laughs> I want to figure out what does it mean to walk with God. And, and what I want to do is I want to look into Genesis, right in the very beginning, right in the first book. So if you have your Bibles in your phones or uh, physical Bibles, you can make markers and stuff, or you read with me here on the screen. In Genesis 3, verse 8 to 10, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. A couple of really interesting things that uh, I find in this Bible passage. One of the things is, did you notice that Adam and Eve, they were hiding not because they saw God, not because they heard God speaking, but because they heard God walking. It says, God was walking and they hid. And later he says, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. The only time that I notice for myself that I'm able to recognize somebody else's walking is in my family. I notice, like, I used to live upstairs, um, and my room was upstairs, and I used to know by the type of steps that would come up the stairs which person it was. <laughs> I would, would know, oh, it's my dad, I'm probably in trouble. <laughs> or it was my sister's, so or they're just going into their room. And this suggests for me here, Adam and Eve have been used to be walking with God so often and so personally that they were able to recognize the sound of his walking in the garden. I mean, it could have been a lion, could have been an elephant, a snake, uh, a dog, a raccoon. But no, they recognized the specific sound of God walking in the garden. And that's when they hit. And this is a really intimate thing that's going on here. What else I see is... Adam and Eve, so what just happened is Adam and Eve were just disobedient. They ate from the fruit that they were not allowed to eat, so they hid. And God walks in the garden, and he's like, Adam, Eve, where are you? Here's God. He's all-knowing. He knows where we are, and yet he comes down in this personal level, in this, uh, in this humanly form, you, you could say, and searching out for us. And in this passage, I don't see God distancing himself from us. I see us distancing himself, ourselves from God. It was Adam and Eve that were hiding from God because they were ashamed, because they were afraid, because they were naked. It was because of their disobedience that they had to hide, that they went away from God, and it was God that was looking for us and was coming close to us. And what I see in this Bible passage is that our original state as humans is to walk with God. Our original state as humans is to be walking with God and to be with Him close. And God's desire is to walk with us. He wants that we walk with Him. That is His desire because that's how He created us originally. That's what we originally did. 
But then we had a problem. This disobedience essentially created a chain reaction of disobediences that we do every day. And this disobedience is distancing ourselves from God, and we were not able to be with God in the garden anymore. And this is where the whole Bible is like a love story where God is going one step closer and one step closer to be with us again and to walk with us again. And you see it, one of the first times when God creates the Ten Commandments is um, we just went from a place where we, all we did was, um, re, um, I forgot the word actually, but like, uh, like just an eye for an eye, I, if you hit me, I hit you. But God creates his Ten Commandments as standards to say, okay, this is what it takes to be close to me. And obviously, we were not able to follow the, the standards. But God says, this is my first step to come close to you. How does he show that? He puts these Ten Commandments in the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant is literally walking with Israel as they're going into the Promised Land. It's a symbol of showing that God is walking with us. The same thing that he created with the, um, with the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a place for God that he created to be close to us. And the tabernacle, whenever they had to travel again, they put back together again. They walked along, and then they had to set it out again. Another symbol of where God was walking with us and where God wants to be close to us. Another symbol is, for example, the, the cloud of, um, no, the pillar of clouds and the pillar of fire by night. Like, in my mind, that's another symbol where God is walking with us and where God is following us, or like we are following God. And we are walking with him. And then obviously at some point we have Jesus. At some point Jesus was literally walking with humankind on earth. Our problem is we are 2,000 years late. But it didn't end there. Jesus, Jesus said somebody will come after me and that's the Holy Spirit that will be walking with us. And that's our privilege that nowadays we can walk with God so close because the Holy Spirit can be in us and we can be literally be walking with God right now. And I think this is an awesome privilege. Another thing that I did is um, I looked into what it means, what the word to, um, and to walk means. And everybody say peripeteo. Again, peripeteo. That's from the Strong's Dictionary. Strong's Dictionary, G4043, the G stands for Greek. If there's an H, it stands for Hebrew. So whenever you have like a Bible that has Greek or Hebrew words explained, you'll find most likely, or the Blue Letter Bible is an online tool that's so great. And it's a tool that explains to you what certain Greek or Hebrew words means. And peripeteo can have one of two meanings. One meaning is to walk. So used in the New Testament quite often this word peripeteo, to walk. But it also comes out of the Hebrew, and it's a metaphor for living. This, this word peripeteo also has this meaning of I'm living. i give you a couple of examples because it's so great. If you identify this word, walk, see if it's peripeteo, because then it can also mean to live. Mark 8, verse 24, it says, And he looked up and said, I see man as trees walking. Mean man as trees peripeteo, or man as trees living. We're just talking about a blind man, 
a blind man that um, Jesus started healing, and he started recognizing stuff. He started recognizing trees and people, which actually suggests that he wasn't blind always, that he used to be able to see beforehand because he was able to recognize these things. But he says, I see men as trees living. What you see is that he's doing a cry out of his heart saying, I see them being able to live their lives like I wasn't. As a blind person, or if you had anything that wasn't right with you, back then it was so much more severe than nowadays. Nowadays we have so many help, helping things, technologies helping us so much with a lot of our things and we can live a life without having necessarily all functioning bodies. But back then, being blind is severe. Being blind means you couldn't do an all-day thing, and all you're doing is surviving, not living. And he says, I see men as trees living. I see them walking around living. And it shows me that in his heart, he's saying, Jesus, I want to live like them. I want to be living again. And that's when Jesus puts his hand on him a second time and heals him completely. And... And I think whenever we see walking, it's great to look into that because it always can mean so much more deep. In Matthew 9, verse 5, it says, For whether it's easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. Arise and peripeteo, arise and live. Again, lame man, he was, again, not able to function, have a functioning life. He was just surviving. He, was, he needed somebody else's help to get him to places and to then just beg for money so that he could have food. Or just beg for food right away, I guess. But Jesus is talking to the Pharisees here, and they're having this argument. It's like, why are you forgiving? Who are you that you think that you can forgive their sins? And he says, what is easier, to forgive some of their sins or to say, arise and live? to be reborn again, to walk up and have a normal life again. What is more difficult? And the funny thing is he does the more difficult thing straight away. <laughs> Jesus heals them, saying the forgiving sins part is the easy part, and he does it anyway. <laughs> so great. Um, Matthew 11, verse 5, The blind receive the sight, and the lame peripeteo, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. This is repeating the same sentence again and again. The blind receive the sight. We just discovered this means that they could live again. The lame peripeteo, the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. Same thing. As a leopard, you were unclean. You were cast out in the Hebrew society which means you would not be able to like, touch anything because as soon as you touch anything, nobody else could touch it. So you, again, were in the same spot where you are just surviving and getting by. Um, the deaf here, similar principle. The dead are raised up. I mean, you can't get more literal than that. And the poor have the gospel preached to them, which means if everything else before means they're living again, this last thing also means they're living again. The poor uh, uh, are having the gospel preached to them. They are being raised up to li live again. That's what the gospel does. It rebirths us. It, we, it, we, are, we are reborn again. In Matthew 14, verse 25, it says, And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went on to them walking on the sea. I think this is kind of funny because Jesus just peripeteos along. He just lives his life as he usually does, and he just casually walks on water. <laughs> that's our Jesus. That's what he does. Um, 
But the cool thing is what I found out with this is I was thinking, wait, Jesus walked with his disciples and he walked with them to so many places and maybe we can identify some of these places in our life that God wants to walk with us. One of the things that he walked with them is he walked with them in familiar places, things that they, went, that they knew, like the temple or the hometown. He went with them these places and they knew these places well. Another place that he went with him is into unfamiliar or strange places. One place, for example, is a Gentile place, and that was a story with a, um, there's a story with a, a man that had a demon, and he was living in a, in, a, in a cave, and Jesus casted out the demon into the horde of pigs, and the pigs ran into the water. That was into a Gentile place. That was a place that the, uh, that the disciples were unfamiliar with. And yet Jesus goes with them there and teaches them and, and shows them stuff. The next place is actually places that they didn't want to go. Jesus wants to go with you and with me through places that we don't want to go through. That we say like, no, I don't, I, I don't want that. One of the places was called Samaria. In the middle of Israel, there's this place called Samaria. And uh, Jews would make a big effort if we're walking from the north to the south of Israel, they would walk around Samaria. That's how much they didn't like it. They would make a detour to just avoid it, to not be needing to talk to them or to just come clear, uh, close to them. And Jesus, he walks right through it. <laughs> Jesus just takes his disciples and walks right through it. And he has actually a couple of people that want to follow him, but they do excuses because they know that Jesus is just about to walk through Samaria. And they're making excuses and don't want to walk with him straight away. The problem is Jesus was in this last year so he was walking towards Jerusalem, about to be crucified, and he's like, well, either now or never, like make a commitment now or never, because there's no more time. <laughs> but Jesus wants to go with us to places that we don't want to go to, because he wants to do miracles in there. He did miracles in Samaria as well. And then he walks on the impossible. There's a story that we just saw with, with Jesus walking alongside the, uh, on the water, and then Peter sees Jesus and is like, Jesus, can I walk with you? And Jesus is like, yes, I want you to be living with me. I want you to be peripeteoing with me. I want you to be walking with me. So Peter steps out of the boat and walks towards Jesus, and it works. He's walking on the impossible with Jesus together. And the moment that Peter looked away or looked onto the waves is the moment when he started sinking. And Jesus rescues him and is like, why are you doubting? You've already been walking with me. You've already been living with me. You already know what life with me looks like. Why are we still doubting? I'm still doubting every now and then. Every now and then I still have situations where I'm like, oh, I don't know. But Jesus is like, why? I've already done the impossible more than once. Trust me, I'll do the impossible with you again. God wants to walk with us for familiar places, things that we feel comfortable in, strange places that we feel a less comfortable in, places that we don't want to even talk about, nowhere coming near. And he wants to walk with us on the impossible. These are just a couple more Bible passages talk about um, 
Jesus, or like uh, God walking with us. And um, here, for example, we see Moses. Um, he was a righteous man, blameless in his generation, nor walked with God. Isn't that a cool thing to be talked about? It's like, oh, you're somebody that walked with God. That's, that's a cool statement in my mind. Like, oh, isn't that cool? I'm somebody that gets to walk with God. We all have the opportunity. God has given us the Holy Spirit so we can walk with him. Amos 3 verse 3 says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? This is a really strong and really personal thing for me because um, this kind of suggests that and it makes sense that if I want to be walking with somebody, let's say I'm going and going to go on a walk with Ryan together, we need to agree when and where we do it. It's like, Ryan, let's meet, meet in Radium Park and let's go from there on, on the trails. Okay, we meet and then we go together. We need to go. But another thing that, is said, uh, that makes sense is if we walk together, we cannot walk in separate directions. That doesn't make sense. If I'm walking with somebody, we cannot be saying, okay, you go this way, I go that way, and we're walking together, aren't we? No. We're walking the same way. We're walking beside each other. And this is what, what I started doing personally is in the mornings, I prayed out, God, I want to align myself today with you. I want to be walking the same direction that you're walking. I want to, I want to direct my heart to where your heart is going because I want to be walking with you, God. If we walk with God, we cannot be walking a separate direction. If we want to walk with God, like it, it would be good for us to follow him and to go the same direction that he is going and to ask him what that is. I want to finish off with one story, and it's the story of Cleopas. And to give you some context, what just happened is um, Jesus died, was crucified, and it's the third day after his crucifixion. Jesus kept repeating to the disciples that he'll be raised up again, but I don't think the disciples really got it. And then suddenly, on the third day, the tomb is empty. <laughs> and, and the women uh, are going to the tomb, and they see an angel, and the angel approaches them and says, you won't find him here, he's gone. <laughs> And then they go and report to the disciples, and some of the disciples go to the tomb because they couldn't believe it, and the tomb was empty. And this is where our story picks up of Cleopas and another man or woman that we don't know the name of, and they're walking to the place called Emmaus, seven miles away from Jerusalem. But they literally just heard all of this happen and still were walking away. They were walking away from the miracle that Jesus was doing. I don't know why. Maybe all of us can fill in the blank ourselves why we would be walking away just before Jesus reveals himself to everybody. But they were walking away. Maybe they were doubtful because of the government could have stolen the body and now blaming it to the, to the disciples or whatever. Uh, maybe they were like, I don't know what, what Jesus will tell us if he comes back, or I don't know what was going on with them. But something in their hearts made that they were walking away from Jerusalem, away from the miracle. And here comes Jesus. And this is the great thing about the story, is Jesus is revealing himself to the disciples and stuff in Jerusalem, 
And then he says, I, I have to pick up two people. I have to go to these two people. And he walks out. He follows these two people and talks to them. They don't recognize him. And he's asking what they're talking about. And they're like, don't you know what just happened in Jerusalem? This great prophet died. You must be the only man that hasn't heard of it. And they're explaining to Jesus the story of Jesus. And they finish at the tone where that the disciples went to the tomb and was empty. They were letting out probably their frustration and their anxieties. They're telling him what was going on, and Jesus listens. And then Jesus opens the scripture up for them and explains to them what had to happen as they're walking to Emmaus. And then it's getting night. They're in Emmaus. They're like, Jesus, do you want to stay with us? And Jesus was acting like, oh, what, what, what? And he was like, oh, I keep going on. Because he wants us to invite him. He wants us, he has a desire for us to invite him. He was like, I guess, if you insist. <laughs> if you insist, I can come inside. And he goes inside and he does what's probably his signature move because he was breaking the bread and they recognized him. They recognized him while he was breaking the bread, something that was so familiar to them, and he disappeared. He disappeared. But for me, this is a great, great parable for our lives. We were walking away from the miracle. We were walking away from God. But God wants to be walking with us so badly that he's coming after us. He wants to walk with us so badly that he's coming after you. And he listens to you. And he listens to the things that you're frustrated about. He listens to the thing that you're angry about. I believe my God is a God that I can tell that I'm angry. And he'll listen. He'll understand. And then he'll open up the scripture and teach us. And we might not even notice yet that it's Jesus teaching us the whole time. And at some point when we do realize, when our eyes are being opened, he disappears. Why does he disappear? Because I think this is where Jesus wants to give us a challenge. He aligned himself with us. He, he, Jesus went out of his way to meet us and then to align us, uh, himself with us so that then once we realize it's him, he gives us a challenge that we can align ourselves with him and go back to Jerusalem. And this is what repentance is all about. Repentance is the Jewish word teshuva. It means to return. Returning means I've once been there before and I'm going back. I've been with God's glory before. We as humankind have been with God's glory before and we're going back, returning home. That's what repentance means and that's what this story is all about. Is Jesus is looking after us. He's, he, he's following us so that he could reach us and we could come close to him. And then he gives us a chance to return and to walk back and to align ourselves again with what God is doing. So I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know um, which of these points talk to you most. Maybe you're the person that's walking away right now. And Jesus has to follow you. Or you're already with him and you don't realize it. Or he just disappeared and gives you the chance to follow him. Maybe you are already walking with Jesus and walking through these different things. Through the things that you know well, that you don't know well, that you don't want to go to, or even the impossible. 
wherever it is in this journey, God wants to know that God wants to walk with you and have a deeper and deeper relationship with you every single day. Every single day. So the band can come up. Um, I'm going to pray us out and then we can worship God and see how we, how we want to respond. I encourage you to respond and to pray to God and say, God, in this and this area of my life, I'd like to walk closer with you. I'll walk with you. I want to go grow close and know you more today than I knew you yesterday. So Jesus, I want to thank you so much. I want to thank you so much for your desire to run after us and to walk with us. And so, yeah, that you would go out of your way, out of the places that you're doing the miracles at, just for me, just for us, just for every single one of us. And I thank you that we have the privilege to follow you to come alongside you and to walk with you. It's an honor, Jesus, and we are so thankful and we want to pray that you draw our hearts closer to you every single day because you're a good God and you're a holy God and we want to be with you. I pray this in your holy name. Amen.